Hello, this is uh, Bill Beekman, uh, Vice President and Director of Intercollegiate Athletics. And uh, today on MSU Today, I'm joined by the Dean of the College of Osteopathic Medicine at Michigan State University, uh, Dr. Andy Amalfitano. Uh, welcome to the show, Andy. Well, thank you, uh, Bill. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, talk with you and have a little conversation about the college. Yeah, so let's start out with a sort of uh, big picture question. And, uh, you know, when, when you go to your doctor as an, uh, just sort of as, as, a, as a person in need of medical care, um, there, there are some doctors that, uh, you have uh, MD after their name, and there are doctors that have DO after their name. And, uh, and doctors uh, of osteopathic medicine are of the DO variety, and they come with uh, uh, a unique perspective. And so would, would you share with us a little bit about the, the, the history of osteopathic medicine, you know, what it means to be an osteopathic physician, and, uh, you know, and, and how how osteopathic doctors you know, really uniquely help serve our community. There's a, a couple of points to that. First, I'll start out with that the, um, the osteopathic profession is really booming right now. It's actually the fastest uh, growing of the health professions if you compare it to like PAs or nursing or MDs. It's, it's literally one in five graduates of a medical school right now are graduating from a DO medical school. One of those is ours. Um, and then one in four you know, medical students entering medical school this year in the United States is entering an osteopathic medical school. So even within that four-year gap, it's increasing rapidly. And, and there's a reason for that. Why are contemporary kind of wannabe doctors wanting to become an osteopathic physician? And that primarily stems from our history and, and sort of philosophical tenets on how we view individuals and our longstanding, you know, over 130-year history of rather than treating symptoms and having people come in and treat an acute symptom and send them on their way, we, we really long to pr preserve health and prevent illness. It's a, what we call a holistic view uh, to, to anybody who seeks us out for care. And the last thing we wanna do is cause harm. And what we wanna do is provide maximal benefit uh, to anyone who seeks us out. And that's been a tenant for you know, the late 1800s when the profession was established. Uh, um, the, it was established out of, uh, you know, back, back then there wasn't much that doctors, MDDO had to offer anybody, you know, but, uh, you know, maybe uh, some strychnine, some arsenic, a good bloodletting, maybe a quick hand with the saw, you know, it was, there wasn't much there. Um, and in fact, many times docs inflicted more harm than good because you can imagine. And so uh, there was a doc by the name, an MD actually, by the name of Dr. Andrew Still, who saw this and just kind of got fed up with the whole situation and really set out to preserve health, not incur harm, and try and just find those ways to promote spiritual wellness, uh, you know, overall wellness, preventing disease, and instilled in that and started the first DO medical school based on those tenets. Um, it's morphed through the years. Uh, it, uh, for example, we had uh, for a while there our own DO hospitals, uh, DO residencies. Now those have sort of gone by the wayside as the profession has gotten so large that it's actually merged with the greater medical institutions of the country. And, and that's why we have the numbers that I, I spoke to today. So it's really got to do with understanding that 
the person is not just a symptom. They're a whole person. They, they have a family, they have a community they interact with. And we really work hard to try and bring that at every visit 100% of the time. And, and that holistic view, though it's not unique to the profession, we, we certainly stand by it strongly. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it is a, uh, it, it's, it's really amazing. The, uh, the, the growth of the profession just over the last handful of decades. And, uh, you know, and, and we here in Michigan may not really appreciate that um, because the, the DO tradition, uh, the tradition of osteopath, osteopathy in, in Michigan has really sort of, at least from my perspective, been, uh, we've had a richer, richer tradition here in Michigan maybe than in many other states. And, uh, and at some level that started with uh, the College of Osteopathic Medicine here at Michigan State being the first College of Osteopathic Medicine associated with a public university. And so we really were groundbreaking in that regard. So share with us a little bit about the college uh, that, 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 that you're, you're responsible for, for the maintenance of and uh, what, what kinds of, uh, of unique things we're doing in, in the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Hey, Bill, it's great, great to bring that out. Yeah, Michigan's been very welcoming to the osteopathic profession, you know, the, um, and Michigan State in particular should take great pride uh, because if you, those numbers I gave you about the rapid rise in the profession, if you look back, 1969 was the year that that started to really escalate. It had been fairly stagnant for half a century. And it was because of this university's faith in our college that the whole profession took off. Um, so we do a number of things. So we've been here 50 years now. We just celebrated our 50 year anniversary. Um, and we have about 7,000 alumni uh, of which uh, last count about 65 to 70%, depending on how you want to cut that, actually practice in the state of Michigan. And the majority of those graduates are in primary care. So, you know, pediatrics, family practice, um, internal medicine, um, if you want to add on psychiatry, internal, uh, um, even emergency room medicine, many times our docs are out in rural areas providing primary care. And so those are the two big uh, uh, I would say uh, evidence of our success in the state of Michigan that in fact, if you look at us compared to most other medical schools in the state, um, those numbers we, we lead or are close to leaders. Um, we really pride ourselves on, uh, we have our class is primarily derived from students from, from the state of Michigan and, and a heavy influx from Michigan state. And so what we do is we capitalize on that and these individuals wanna go back to their communities and practice that type of medicine that we espouse. And so uh, it's been a uh, beautiful uh, sort of synergy there where we can send, send our graduates back into the communities and take care of everybody in the state of Michigan as best we can. And, and um, I think that's a huge uh, legacy that we're gonna continue with. The other one is um, we graduate more doctors, we've graduated more doctors, let's say since 2014 who self-identify as a minority uh, again, than any other med school in the state uh, based on public data. And so we're trying to, and we got a long way to go on this. And I'm not saying that we've got an answer, um, but we pride ourselves in trying to meet that challenge as well. And so we're going to be stepping up to that in the coming years, and hopefully we'll be able to even broaden that, that capacity. So those are the main things is supplying, you know, sort of like the, the, the proverbial 
land grant mission of this university to serve the people of, of Michigan. And I can't think of a better way than providing them physicians uh, to take uh, to help in, in, in that. Well, and I've always thought that one of the you know, one of the interesting aspects of, of both of our medical schools is that you know, we don't have a, a hospital, a university owned, university run hospital. And so our medical students uh, uh, are, are then required to, to go into community hospitals for that component of their medical school education that is really, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, once you get past the, the classroom-based activities, that, that is the hands-on part of medical education. And so on the, uh, you know, in, in the College of Osteopathic Medicine, you know, you've got a, a, a statewide campus a system, a consortium of hospitals that really allow our students to practice all over the state of Michigan. And so we're impacting uh, not just people here in East Lansing or the greater Lansing community, but, uh, you know, but points all across the state. So share with us a little bit about how that model works and, and how it impacts so many lives. It's, it's wonderful for a couple of reasons, even though at first you might think, well, we don't have a university-based hospital per se for our students. But what it turns out, we have 23 <laughs> hospitals, uh, for example, that our students in our college uh, can advantage themselves of as they enter their, their clinic, what we call their, their clinical years, the third and fourth years of medical school, where you're really out seeing patients and taking care of them um, full time. Um, and those locations are throughout the state and they afford our students the ability to choose a locale, you know, a rural area, a suburban area, a hybrid area, urban areas, uh, we're all over the place. And so students can already in those third and fourth years start crafting their career path and get exposed to the type of medicine and patients and venue and environment environments that uh, they'll encounter once they go out and graduate early on and they can make those decisions very informed at an early stage. So um, we have uh, uh, on top of that, and, and this speaks to what I spoke to earlier about our graduates staying in the state of Michigan, we have an even broader umbrella called, called our statewide campus system this is a network that involves 40 hospitals, okay? All the ones I just talked about, then an additional. And within this framework, when you graduate from medical school, you go into a residency or fellowship program and you specialize in peds or surgery or orthopedics or genetics or whatever it is. Um, we have 2000 residents and fellows distributed over those 40 sites in the state of Michigan. Um, that's an incredible network that we, we have established and that it took 50 years to get here. Um, but with that, our students continue to then pick out areas uh, that they can still stay affiliated with the college um, and, and also learn about what's available throughout the state. And as they get comfortable in those networks, I'm convinced that's why they stay in the state of Michigan. Because I know it's not the weather. I mean, the weather is something, but it's really got more to do with establishing these networks of comfort and knowing that you've got support um, and these systems are waiting for you that has really grown this through the years. Uh, so it's, it's quite an opportunity. And I'll tell you in the, in the, in the era of COVID, um, I am aware of other hospitals and medical schools in the nation that have had trouble with their students. You can imagine if you were dependent on one hospital and that hospital shuts down because of COVID or can't take students because they can't educate them. What a shame that is. Well, we were able to pivot 
Um, we had 23 hospitals to choose from. And, uh, you know, we pulled back momentarily during those critical uh, months in, in March and April. Uh, but quickly, all of our hospitals uh, partners were able to bring those students back and, and, and get them back uh, learning so that they could graduate on time. I mean, I can't think of a, a worse thing than during a pandemic, you can't, you can't train physicians to graduate and treat, treat people. And luckily with that network in place, we were able to do that. That, that really is incredible. So, so we've talked a little bit about um, the, the student experience and, uh, and our, our academic mission in, in the college and a little bit about your clinical activity, but I think one of the uh, one of the real differentiators of the College of Osteopathic Medicine here at Michigan State is your your research activity, and the uh, and one of the uh, oh, symbols or or one one of the sort of key components of that maybe is a better better way to put it is the DO PhD program. Um, so explain what. What a DO PhD program is, what kind of uh, uh, people that, that produces and, and what they do for the, for the benefit of society. Well, it's great. Uh, you know, I, I happen to have a conflict of interest here because I am a graduate of MSU's DO PhD program. Um, but uh, in, a, in a nutshell, I'll, I'll let me back up a little bit. The profession, because of its heavy, you know, uh, uh, notions on entering primary care and rural health um, has not uh, participated in biomedical research to the extent probably that our MD colleagues have uh, through the years. It's just, you know, the profession focuses on primary care. And if you look across primary care, that's true. So being at MSU, it's sitting on top of a Big Ten university, uh, allows our college to advantage ourselves of this, you know, top 70, you know, research institution in the world, you know, if not the, you know, the universe. Um, and, and so we, we want to promote research every opportunity we get. And so our students get access to any uh, research activities. Um, but for those students who seek a more um, specialized and intense focus on research, we developed this DO PhD program, which is a uh, well, I don't want to say how old it is, but I was one of the early graduates of it. Um, and, and what it is, is you simultaneously get your DO medical degree while you undertake a PhD program, traditional PhD program. It can be anywhere from cell molecular biology, genetics. Uh, we even have anthropology PhDs. Uh, that's the breadth of who we want to teach at this level. These individuals now will get out, they will get their medical experience and bring that research expertise to bear on contemporary medical problems that are facing us today. And, and I firmly believe that that osteopathic holistic view is of incredible benefit in this area as well. Um, not losing the forest for the trees, if you will. Um, not zeroing in down to something uh, so, such minutia, whatever you want to describe it, that all of a sudden, yeah, that's true, but what impact does it have on society or the patients we see? We hope that this kind of philosophy can pervade even the research endeavors of the students. So we have graduates in all these various programs going out and populating the other med schools in, in the country, um, becoming researchers and academicians uh, as well with their clinical activities, several of which are, are at, you know, we. We, we get them to come back to MSU as well. So it's a, it's a program we're proud of. We want to expand it 
And uh, it's just that uh, at MSU, uh, we have the capacity to have such, this is a large program. We have about 50 students in the program right now. This is, this is large across the nation, not just locally. And uh, we're committed to this. And uh, we're fortunate that Michigan State supports us uh, in this um, in all kinds of ways. Uh, other colleges we interact with, et cetera. Well, I think that's, uh, you know, that's one of the really great aspects of being part of a Big Ten university is the, the, the breadth that we have and, and the strength that we have in so many of the basic sciences uh, that grew out of our, our, our College of Natural Sciences literally uh, you know, 100, over 100 years ago, that uh, between the College of Natural Science, the College of Osteopathic Medicine, the College of Human Medicine, the College of Veterinary Medicine, the College of Nursing, you've got a sort of health sciences sector that really can uh, play upon the strengths of each one of those units for the, for the betterment of all. And that's, uh, that's really one of the, the, the great, great things about Michigan State and and the collaborative nature of our institution. So, your 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 day job is is being dean, and uh, and that's probably uh, an, enough job for three or four lifetimes. Uh, truth be told, but uh, but but I understand that every now and again you get to uh, uh, sneak back to your your first passion, which is uh, as you say with your your do phd uh, uh, training is as a researcher and. Uh, and as I understand it, your your research uh, is being used to develop some vaccine platforms that uh, will hopefully have an impact in can in cancer uh, treatment, as well potentially as the the current uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. So, tell us a little bit about that research and and what you're doing. Oh, well, thank, thanks for asking. Um, it actually stems from my uh, you know. So I. I bleed as green as white as anybody. I, I did my undergraduate at MSU in microbiology. I did my PhD, my DO degree here. And very early on, I had a notion, um, how can we harness viruses and use them as potential medicine? And that was really, you know, my sort of neophyte view at the time way back. I shared that with many faculty um, uh, during my training. Um, and went on and in my laboratory work uh, actually developed a virus that we inactivated. It's a common cold virus. And we kind of tore, took the DNA out of that virus. And now we can engineer it to uh, produce any protein or antigen we want. Um, that's now been taken uh, by uh, several companies. And uh, they've been using it uh, primarily as an immune uh, vaccine platform. And uh, for example, we can, in, in cancer patients, started uh, about 20 or 30 different clinical trials targeting the most, you know, the most brutal of, of cancers, pancreatic cancer, GI cancer, uh, cyst, uh, you know, metastatic colon cancer. And what we do is we take this virus and we put genetic information into the virus that then is delivered into these cancer patients and it trains the immune system to attack the cancers that these individuals possess. Um, and, and, and that is seeing some, uh, it's, it's moving into phase three studies right now, which is just on the verge of being licensed. So, um, you know, cross your fingers that, uh, it, 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 but one thing we did prove is it's extremely safe. We could give, uh, doses of this vaccine, this cancer vaccine, uh, to prove we could stimulate these immune responses. So with that, when COVID-19 hit, 
uh, one of the companies pivoted and actually, you know, swapped the DNA out and put in COVID-19 information into our vaccine platform, manufactured that up, and we're actually, uh, that, that company is now in uh, late phase one studies, um, testing it for its efficacy uh, to prevent COVID-19. And a um, couple of unique aspects of this, I mean, I, I wanted to use this virus early on because I knew it could be scaled, you know, to hundreds of millions if necessary, you know, preserve that. But it actually can be produced in a tablet. You can actually lyophilize this, you dehydrate it and then put it into a tablet. And so in fact, this study is looking at the tablet form of this vaccine for COVID-19, which is, you've heard a lot about, you know, needing to refrigerate vaccines. Well, tablets, you know, they, you can ship those anywhere. Um, the other thing is that uh, the, the particular flavor of vaccine we've developed, uh, that this company has developed, is targeting two different aspects of COVID-19. You've heard a lot about the spike protein, but there's another protein called the nuclear protein, NP, and this vaccine has enough capacity to target both. So we think, uh, I think that it'll, it, it will be useful should these, you know, these new variants you're hearing about um, that may evade existing immunity um, this platform may come in and mop up, if you will, um, and, and prevent that. So, so that's where that stands right now. It all evolved out of some, you know, my undergraduate days at MSU pondering, can we take a virus and turn it into a medicine? And, you know, it, it, it happened. Well, that's, that's a great message for the uh, uh, young people that might be listening that, uh, you know, sometimes as, uh, as, as young people, you, you, you get what you might feel like is a crazy idea. And, uh, um, but if you, you have some stick to and, uh, uh, and, and uh, continue to, to, to learn and grow, and uh, in your case, uh, get a, become a, a researcher, then, uh, then those things can, can come about and potentially change the world. Uh we're hoping we're open and uh, you know we're not the only ones working on this uh, you know but uh, I, I really do feel that uh, MSU gave me the confidence to pursue these things uh, you know you have to have the right training to feel confident and then chasing this stuff and uh, uh, you know I'll, I'll, I'll never look back with regret it was a great experience and I'm, I'm, I love moving forward on this. Yeah no it's quite extraordinary so to to, to wrap up um, yeah, the, the College of Osteopathic Medicine here at Michigan State and the osteopathic profession itself are are really in in a in a great place and uh, uh, growing and uh, helping you know, greater and greater numbers of people across our society. What do you see as the uh, the future of, of the College of Osteopathic Medicine? What What's on the horizon for the college? Well, a number of things. I, I think more of the same because it's, you know, these are great things. Uh, we want to continue our focus on primary care and uh, our students' desire to pursue that. Um, but we certainly can train for those who want to specialize out in, in surgical specialties or even more uh, specialized. Um, I think a, a big goal is uh, continuing to... Uh, address this issue of lack of diversity in the medical profession. Um, you know, if you just look at the, the numbers across the nation, the number of physicians that come from under, underrepresented minority uh, populations is, is inadequate. Uh, it's a longstanding institutional problem. Uh, racism has is, is contributed to that. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I love being Dean, but we can only, I can only do so much, but what I can do is make sure that our college is a welcoming place, place that we can attract the best and brightest and a diverse student body, uh, because we get knowledge from that. You know, diverse experiences empowers our entire curriculum. And so I really see our college really going after uh, trying to be inclusive in, increasingly uh, to just graduate that type of a doctor that, that has the, that perspective. And so we will stay true to that. Um, on top of that, I think our research, we want to expand that and really uh, step it up. Um, and, and I want us to capitalize on, on the statewide campus system in particular, you noted. With our access educationally to 40 hospitals, that's quite a catchment area. And we think that through this network, we can start addressing community-wide medical issues in research, you know, things uh, affecting the communities, uh, diabetes, uh, obesity, um, hypertension, the, 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 the opioid crisis. Um, some, some of these things can only be answered by looking at large populations. The laboratory will not yield the answer that impacts the entire society. And so um, we're looking at ways how we can harness this educational network and, and craft it into a research network. Um, and so that's another another area of, of I hope we, we can expand. So those are two of the major ones. We we continue with our clinical activities in East Lansing and, and beyond that. Um, we continue with our affiliations with all of our hospital systems. I want to see those grow, and I want the, these hospitals to know that their future physicians are coming from our med school. Um, so they have a vested interest in making sure we 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 continue in, in this path. And and I want them to understand that we. We appreciate their partnerships and, and going forward, we, we want to um, facilitate that as well. So I think more of the same um, with some highlights. <laughs> that's, that, that's great. So uh, today we've been joined by the Dean of the College of Osteopathic Medicine at Michigan State University, uh, Dean Andy Amalfitano. And uh, Andy, I will uh, close with, with one uh, brief question. Uh, we've already talked, we've talked at great length about uh, the college, uh, a little bit about your personal research interests, but, uh, but I, I'm hopeful that uh, at least uh, a little bit of time during the week, you can find uh, some time to not spend on work-related things. So what, uh, what things do you do, and uh, what things do you enjoy doing in your off time? Oh boy, it's kind of tough with COVID-19, you know, and unfortunately I like cooking, know it's the Italian it's the Italian gene in me uh, and uh, you know so I, I do that a lot um, I don't know if you know my dad owned a pizzeria I mean when they came from Italy that's what they started uh, and so I, I really learned how to work uh, in, in those venues of restaurants and, and so I enjoy doing that so I, I just got to you know keep a lid on it sometimes because <laughs> get out of control uh, uh, but I enjoy that, and uh, hopefully, when when COVID nineteen uh, will uh, you know, we'll turn the corner on this, and, and we'll get back uh, to normal. Um, I like traveling um, and, and 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 visiting various areas. So, uh, but those are the two main things. Sounds good. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great getting uh, having an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the College of Osteopathic Medicine and what you do as its dean. 
and uh, we will uh, look forward to great things to come. Great. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate all you do.